Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and information in the hopes that they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer, happy to bring you today another of the Challenging the Status Quo panel series webinars. You can find the actual webinar on the UVA online community, and we'll link to that in the show notes. But if you'd just like to listen in, we got your back. The webinar that we're presenting today was from Friday, October 23rd. Panelists for today are Lisa Schuler, Josh Breeden, and Phil Hamlet. Thanks for listening in today, and we hope that you learn a lot from this conversation. Now let's listen in. Welcome to the Challenging the Status Quo panel series sponsored by the Continuous Improvement Committee. I'm Angela Knobloch, FST Workstream Lead for Change Management and Continuous Improvement, and I'll be serving as the moderator for our panel today. The purpose of these panels is to hear thoughts and ideas on how to challenge the status quo successfully. The series includes panels from finance senior leadership, finance managers, as well as individual contributors in finance and FST, as is the case today. These are all recorded and will be available on the CI community. Please be sure to check out the CI community for additional resources. You'll even find a dedicated category on how to challenge the status quo. Now I'd like to introduce our panelists for today. We have Lisa Schuler um, in the FST project. She's serving as the revenue lead. We have Josh Breeden, who is a business analyst for FST and Phil Hamlet, our project manager for FST. So I'm going to pitch out this first question for each of our panelists to answer. And it is, what does challenging the status quo mean to you? And why don't I go over with Phil first this morning? Thanks, Angela. And uh, first of all, thanks for inviting me to participate in this. I'm really excited about it. Um, so what does challenging the status quo mean? Um, I think it means, well, to give you some context, I'm an IT professional by background. So I always look for, I've always looked for ways in my career of improving and doing things better. And so I think challenging the status quo means basically challenging that statement. Well, that's the way we've always done it, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times in companies, uh, and I've worked across several industries, uh, and you see that, that people kind of get, you know, set in their ways. I mean, it's, it's human nature. But challenging the status quo basically means looking at processes, looking at the way you do things and say, you know, how can we make it better? How can we, you know, improve upon what we're doing? Uh, what can we, you know, what can we do to say, you know, uh, not accept the way things have always been done and find a way to, to, to make them better and, and, to, and quite frankly, you know, as part of it to, to come out of our comfort zones. Uh, you know, everyone's about their comfort zone and what they do and how they do it. Um, and when you challenge the status quo, you a lot of times force people to, to, to come out of their comfort zones and to do things different and, and to um, challenge, you know, how they, you know, what, what they know about things. So I think that's very important is just understanding, you know, what can we do better, you know, and challenge, always challenging that question of, you know, this is the way it's always been done. Awesome. Thank you, Phil. Josh, how about you? Yeah, I want to echo Phil um, on a couple of things he said. Um, one thing that really comes to mind for me when I think about challenging the status quo is pushing boundaries, but not people's standpoint. So um, in terms of moving them out of their comfort zone, we have to kind of help guide that along as part of that challenging the status quo, because if we force that upon them, it might not be as well received um, 
and make it a little bit more difficult to actually move those changes forward. Um, so pushing the boundaries, but not from the people standpoint is something that really comes to mind. And then also just listening and questioning. For me personally, I'm just a very curious person. So when I hear about a process and why it's done that way, I'm just like, so what's the background there? What's the history? Why are we doing it? Like, give me the full picture. Um, so we're just asking those questions and making sure we really get to the common understanding of why it's done in the current state so that we can move forward to a different future state, hopefully. I loved what you said about the curiosity aspect. There was a recent uh, poll um, earlier this year and about um, managers saying that the key thing for challenging the status quo is having curiosity. Like 85% of managers said that that was the key. And the thing about curiosity is it's, it's like an openness to learning, right? It's not necessarily a, um, I'm criticizing. Curiosity is, hmm, I wonder why. So that's such a really on point, Josh. And Lisa, your perspectives. So mine's about the people aspect as well. We've heard that from both of our panelists. And so in today's environment, you know, it's all about developing those relationships, really listening um, to what the folks have to say, you know, engaging with them, asking the right questions, then listening, and then acting upon what they're saying. Um, because if we don't, if we're challenging the status quo, and then there's no actions afterwards, nothing's going to come of it. Um, I am all about collaborating with others. Um, so I think in challenging the status quo, you've gotta be a collaborative partner and you've gotta be really willing to take away what you're hearing and putting actions to that to be able to challenge that status quo. Thank you, Lisa. So now I wanna take it maybe a step further and a little bit more specific. And that is, what does it mean as part of the FST project? What are some, you know, how is that um, coming sort of to, to life in the, in the work you're doing day to day in FST? Um, and I'll go with Josh first here. So a couple of things that come to mind with the FST project, uh, we've hear, probably heard it across a bunch of the different work streams. If you've been in some FST specific meetings, we talk a lot about unpacking. <laughs> um, so really getting to that history of why are we doing it that way. Um, we talk about the art of the possible. So really shooting for that um, perfect process um, so that as we move toward a new system, we're not just doing that lift and shift. We're really um, trying to look at the best, like what is the best possible solution for UVA um, forward with a new technology because we just don't want to be stuck in our own old habits, we want to try to challenge those and make them better. Thank you. And Lisa, how about you? How does that come to life for you in FST? So for me, it's about the FST mission. So some of the goals that has been presented is reduce administrative burdens, you know, make compliance and regulation and policies easier, more consistent, strengthen our risk management framework. You know, be, be okay with taking a risk. Um, I don't think we've done, done enough of that here at the university. 
Um, and then the biggest one for me is make UVA better. So how with this transformation can we make UVA better? And so what you're saying is challenging the status quo is a, is a critical part of making it better. Absolutely. And we've got to listen to our stakeholders. Understand those pain points. Yeah, Lisa, Lisa said, always. Unpack it. Yeah, Lisa always <laughs> says she wants to leave it better than she found it. So <laughs> He's got to leave us sometime soon, which is not the greatest, but <laughs> I think that's all of our goals. How can we I'm make it older than dirt? Come on. <laughs> oh, uh, Phil, uh, how about for you? You're our newest um, member of, of finance in this panel. And so as you've come on board, what are, what are some ways it's, uh, you've seen the opportunity to challenge the status quo in FST? Well, I think the biggest thing is <clears throat> FST is a, is a massive project, right? I mean, it's, I call it kind of an aircraft carrier. And, you know, aircraft, aircraft carriers are hard to change and turn on a dime. And so um, the way I've approached it is kind of like from, you know, PMO and, and project management, all about methodology and process and how you go about basically breaking things down into manageable pieces of work. And the way I've attacked it is kind of looking at some of the different areas and, you know, how can we basically break this massive project down into, into workable pieces of, you know, of activity. And so like, I've, I've been trying to apply that expertise, you know, you know, as, as well, uh, uh, Angela about implementing JIRA, you know, and JIRA is a tool, you know, but there's process behind it. There's, there's ways of you know, implementing that so that, that you can have meaningful ways and productive ways of actually doing the work. And so I think for me, it looks at every day, what we're doing from the standpoint of actually getting the work done you know, and, and, and being transformational from the standpoint of how do we do that work and how do we position ourselves as we get deeper into this project? How do we even get more productive? Because uh, more complex days are coming. As we get into configure and prototyping, uh, this, this work is only going to get more technical, more complex. And so I think uh, us positioning ourselves from a process and methodology standpoint is going to serve us well even down the road. Thank you, Phil. So we do have a question from one of our attendees this uh, today, and I'll let any of you offer to answer it. Uh, have you experienced any pushback to wanting to explore issues like being <coughs> curious and um, and people willing to collaborate? And and if so, how have you worked through that? And you don't have to give details on names, but if you've experienced a little bit of pushback, how have you worked through that? Any of the the panelists can address that. So I don't think we've, I mean, change is hard. You know, <laughs> You're speaking my language, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it, it's hard. And we're all comfortable in what, you know, what we're doing. We've been on Oracle for 20 years. You know, we know what we're doing. So of course there's going to be some, some pushback. You know, I, I've always done it that way. We've, we hear that. Um, but I think we have to, to figure out what is the benefit for them. Um, Josh with, and I have had a wonderful opportunity to go and in Zoom land meet with a with hundred plus ISD and customer account yes. stakeholders. And so it's been amazing. Um, you know, I've been at the university 32 years and, and just, you know, those relationships that you build this is how we're going to help folks advance to the new technology. They're gonna, you know, we need to develop that trust. 
um, and know that, you know, if you're not feeling comfortable with something, come and let us know and let, let's try to talk about it to see if we can get, get over whatever it is. Josh, was there something you were going to add there? Yeah, I was just thinking it's really finding the whiffum for the, those people. So the what's in it for me and just kind of meeting them where they're at. Um, so as Lisa said, build that trust with them, have that open dialogue, and then they trust that the questions you're asking them is not trying to rock their world. We're looking for their best interest. Um, so even though we're proposing a different process or, well, if you do it this way, would it really still get you to the same end goal? Like we're not looking to rip away what's comfortable comfortable for them and just push them out of that comfort zone. But we really are like, would this work for you um, and why not? So we can kind of pivot and look at it from a different angle. Let me pick up on, on the, the key thing that you said here, both of you was about relationships, trust. Um, how have you, in this challenging time of our virtual world, um, how have you worked at developing those relationships. Uh, so much of relationships can be in person and those connections. Um, so how have you overcome that hurdle in our virtual world? So one, we've really leveraged the technology of Zoom. So we brought groups together, but then with the help of our change management partners, we used breakout rooms, which Lisa and I would have had no clue. <laughs> we, we were ready to engage on like a hundred individual meetings with all of these people. And they were like, well, let's just bring like groups together and then do breakout rooms. And so we really got to still have a more targeted discussion with people, um, but not overwhelm ourselves. So it was a lot, but we were able to really leverage the technology in this remote environment to still have those discussions and more personalized approach that they really appreciated. You know, that really goes back to the art of the possible, right? We're, we're in this world, what's what's possible? How might we keep making it better? Um, it's definitely forced us to challenge the status quo, right? Definitely. Um, Lisa, anything you'd like to add there? Well, I just think the Zoom environment lent itself to us being able to bring in more people, where if I think we were in office environment, I don't think that we would have been far enough advanced with technology to come up with breakout rooms and, and focusing on the, the information that we got from our change management people was just invaluable. So it's all about that team effort um, to make it successful. Wonderful. So I'm gonna switch gears a little bit here. And um, I wanna ask you this, what's the impact of failing to challenge the status quo? Whether it's in work or you know, other experiences that you've had. And, and Phil, I'd like to start with you. Um, it, what happens if we don't challenge the status quo? Well, I think you, you talk about failure in terms of you know, if you don't do it. I think a lot of times people will not challenge the status status quo because simply they are afraid to fail. They're afraid to, you know, what will happen and how, you know, will, will this will not succeed. And I think part of challenging status quo is being afraid, uh, is not being afraid to fail. 
um, you know, a lot of times you learn your biggest, your biggest lessons in life, you know, asking a kid who, you know, rides a bike and, you know, rides it down a hill, you know, 80 miles an hour and falls down, and breaks their arm. Hey, I learned from that experience. Right. And so I think that, um, you know, you need to embrace to not be afraid to fail. And I think that if you, if you're not challenging the status quo, then you're not, you're not embracing what change can be, what, what it can mean to your organization. Uh, I used to work for GE and I used to be a Six Sigma black belt. And we were challenged every day to go in and said, you know, what's possible? What can we do? And, 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 and we were given license to, to fail, basically. We would go in, we, we would look at the way things were done and we would try to make them better. And sometimes we would succeed in that. And sometimes we wouldn't succeed as great as we thought we would. But the key was that, that, we, that we tried. And so I think that a lot of times people will, will be afraid to fail and they'll be afraid of what is possible rather than taking that chance, you know, going out, you know, you know as the old saying goes, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I think that you need to be afraid and be um, uh, mindful that, that you can't be afraid to fail. But I think that if you don't go and try, then that's a failure in itself. And, and I think a lot of times you forego opportunities that you otherwise have if you still have that fear, you know, in mind every time you look to see what is possible. You, you have to put that out of your mind and say, you know, I'm going to do that. And, 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 you know, I'll say also, you know, you have to have a managerial philosophy that backs you up in that too. Oh. Uh, sometimes, sometimes yeah. you know, people will say, well, you know, I'm not sure my management has my back. Um, and you said earlier about, you know, have, have you seen any, uh, any uh, instances of pushback here? And I would say no. In fact, in this environment uh, so far, I've been here going on seven months. Uh, I've, seen a, I've seen a management team that's very, uh, very proactive and very supportive of people wanting to change and, and make things better. So that's extremely important. So Phil, that actually goes into my next question. So I'm gonna build on that and then we'll invite um, Josh and Lisa to, to comment as well. But what is it specifically about the environment that um, allows you to feel comfortable uh, challenging the status quo? I mean, what are those things that, because I've heard from definitely from um, individuals of, is it okay if I do that? There's a risk if I fail. And so tell me a little bit about um, what you think really creates an environment that allows people to do that. One thing that um, resonated with me from one of Lisa's earlier answers is the collaborative partner. Um, obviously that's one of UVA Finance's missions. Um, so I think we do all really have the opportunity and are encouraged to work cross-functionally um, and so in doing that um, the environment really helps you to challenge the status quo because a lot of times the process isn't just isolated to you. Uh, it other areas. So you have to be mindful of how what I'm doing here can impact someone downstream or upstream would be impacting me. So you really have to get to that root cause of what's causing um, the status quo to be painful. <laughs> um, and if the status quo is somewhere else, then you have to be able to have those cross-functional and collaborative experiences to be able to try to um, improve those. So I have that environment here. Thank you. And, and Lisa, anything to add there? So, you know, UVA is a learning environment. Mm. So, you know, it starts with me. What do I, you know, how do I want to, to change the status quo? Um, you know, it's being able to, to hear this, different perspectives and then trying to incorporate those in whatever you're doing. Um, just, it, it really goes back a lot to, to building 
relationships. I can't focus on that on that enough. Um, in this, you know, remote environment, you know, it's more challenging to, you know, go check on that, you know, person to make sure they're okay. But it's not just from a work perspective, but it's also meeting that person where they're at and understanding if there's other items that, you know, they might need from you. Um, so, you know, be that people person, be that person that wants to, to be an advocate for the person that, that is a little fearful about challenging the status quo, um, giving them pointers, you know, what can you, what can I do to help you? You know, want to be there for you. So it really is caring about others and bringing them into the conversation. Definitely. Thank you for that. So as an individual contributor, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about those folks who are maybe not in a managerial role. How might they start a conversation with a manager or, or in another area that um, they don't necessarily feel connected to and want the opportunity to challenge the status quo a little bit? What, what recommendation might you have for someone wanting to start that conversation? And any of you who would like to start with that? I, I would say start off by doing your homework, right? So when you Ooh. come to a manager and you say, you know, I have this proposal, I think it's also very important to come armed with why it makes sense, what it means to the organization, what it means for, you know, what you've got going. Uh, I mean, I think it's a matter of, you know, you, know, you, you want to come with, you know, the old all adage, you want to come with solutions, not problems, right? So you look at ways to say, okay, if we do this, you know, this is why it makes sense. Here's, here's the advantage and here's what you're going to see. So, so you, you come armed and say, you know, not only do you make the suggestion, but you take that conversation one step further you proactively and say, okay, here's a suggestion I make, but here's why it makes sense. <clears throat> and it's also a good idea not only to talk about the pros, but also equally weigh the cons. I mean, not every, not, not every um, solution that you come up with or every proposal you come up with is going to be completely positive. There are going to be negatives. They're going to be back. They're going to be possible, um, you know, bad consequences or side effects. So I think when you when you want to have that conversation with with, with your, either your immediate manager or even levels above, you know, when you want to when you want to talk about it, you also want to come armed with, you know, what's good about it, what's bad about it. Let's weigh the pros and cons, and let's talk about possible next steps to explore it. I love that coming informed and thinking it through. And, and that goes also back to what Josh said earlier about curiosity, wanting to understand kind of what, how people are connected and what's happening in other areas. Um, in process improvement, I've heard comments like, well, if X department would fix their part, that would solve all our problems. Um, and that's not probably the best way to challenge the status quo. It goes back to having that curiosity about do I understand what's happening in that other area and how we're connected? Um, Josh or Lisa, anything you'd like to add about starting well, a conversation? Yeah, for me, it's, it's don't be afraid to take a risk, but then do the work to pitch your what if, whatever it's, it's the world is wide open. Do the work to pitch your what if. That's a quotable, Lisa. That's <laughs> Thanks, you've Angela. All, you've all got some great quotables today. Um, uh, I think, let's see, Josh, should I give you a chance on this one? 
Phil really stole my thunder. My, I, I was thinking, you know, I, I always try to come with like a half-baked white paper, if you will, with bullet points that really kind of got what I'm thinking. <laughs> um, I like to organize my thoughts before I take it to other people. Um, so my recommendation is try to organize them in a way that will make sense and then anticipate questions so that you are, like you've done your homework, You've done your work for your what if. <laughs> You've done your work for your what if. I love that. <laughs> so I, what I love about this is it's um, kind of for those ideas that you have and maybe pitching a solution or a thought. Let me take it from a different perspective. What about the day-to-day of challenging the status quo? Um, what does that look like, the day-to-day? For me, it's all about having that lean perspective. You know, I don't know how many of us have taken the, the lean course, but when I was there, there was a, a video that was shown about unloading the dishwasher and changing the coffee pot. I came right home and said, oh, I need to change this. I need to move my coffee pot. What was I ever thinking? So now... I have, you have a better I, flow now, do you? <laughs> absolutely. I saved three seconds. I counted it. You know, being that accountant, I mean, it was amazing. So that adds up over time, right it, there. Absolutely. If I multiply that by, by 365 days, I'm good. But then again, I rocked my husband's world. Um, he didn't like the movement of my coffee pot. So we had to work through that. And that's about, yeah, it's that balance, you know? So it's coming at things, you know, from a different mindset. Yeah. What I love about lean, particularly for maybe some of our um, audience who isn't as familiar with lean, I mean, it's, it's looking at our processes, the way we do things and, and minimizing those wastes, those inefficiencies, right? So those three seconds might mean an awful lot to Lisa, but you know what, in processes, usually you find three seconds in various places and that starts to, to add up. So that lean perspective of, and it does feed right into challenging the status quo. Why are we doing it that way? right? Like what, hmm, what's the opportunity to just tweak this? And so that perspective um, around what's, you know, why are we doing certain things? Um, Josh or Phil? Um, I'll say, you know, tactically is that with that, with that plays out is um, I, I think that you have to instill in the mindset and those that work around you is, is to, to challenge every day what you're doing. It's, 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 a, I mean, it really truly is uh, an attitude that you adopt. Um, it's, it's, it's not about just, you know, sitting there thinking, okay, well, we'll do it this way. And, and, but it's also thinking about, okay, you know, what, what, what's the opportunity cost of doing it a better way? And so I think the way you do that tactically, you know, especially if you're in a, you know, uh, individual contributor role is you, you do that lead by example. You, 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 you demonstrate to the people you work around, you know, I'm going to do it. Here's all, I'm going to lead by example to show you how I want to improve and make things better and how I'm going to evolve our processes. So um, I think, you know, even though we're, you know, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're boots on the ground and you're doing, you're in the fight every day, but you also have to be able to take that moment to look back and take some perspective about what you're doing and make sure that you're not so ingrained in it that you're not willing to, to, to take a chance on how to change it. So I think the way, you know, we as individuals do that is we lead by example and show every day that we're willing to take that, adopt that mindset, you know, and when others propose things, you know, to be willing to accept it, you know, challenge it if need be, 
but also discuss and accept it and, and, and try to you know make things better for, for all of you because everyone brings different perspectives and ideas to the table. And if you, you can set an example of you know collecting those and, and processing those and, and uh, helping the team as a whole. So, mm -hmm. Josh, how about the day-to-day? -day? Any other suggestions for folks? For me, um, I've talked about the curiosity aspect of how I approach challenging the status quo. And I think something I've kind of had to get comfortable doing is asking what I feel like maybe a, a silly question. <laughs> um, that might feel obvious to somebody else. If I don't understand it fully, I really just need to step in and ask that question and not be afraid to ask and get the information I need so that I can move forward and um, really be up to speed with the, with the process or with the um, history of something, you know, just really trying to get down to the content, why, why. <laughs> <laughs> being afraid that I don't know the content, you know, as a business analyst across all the different functions, I'm not an expert in everything, you know, I have to, I have to ask those obvious questions mm -hmm. might just feel like is a no brainer. And, and that's a mindset from day to day as well, right? That you do that. Um, so when, when have you experienced or have you um, where challenging the, the status quo didn't work out? Um, you tried something or you questioned something or, you know, um, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, have you experienced something like that? And, and how did you handle that? Any of our panelists? Um, so just right off the bat, something that comes to mind is that you just kind of pivot. Um, so even if you're challenging the status quo and you're shooting for the dream and the art of the possible, um, sometimes pivoting and changing your scope on how you're challenging that status quo is important. Um, so even if you can't knock it out the park and it change that root cause exactly from some other area, you can still look at your piece of the process. Mm -hmm. and say, how can I still do my piece better to make my piece more efficient? Um, so I've had instances like that where I had to kind of scale back the dream <laughs> um, <laughs> and just put in a, put in a little help to keep moving forward. Scale back the dream, but keep going, right, Josh? Right, right. <laughs> uh, Phil, how about, how about in your case? Uh, have you experienced that? You know, in, previous, in previous professional lives, I've, I've had some instances where, um, I, I won't call it complete failure, I'll call it uh, kind of you know, uh, partial failure. So for instance, I was in a job several years ago where uh, the, the organization didn't have any kind of project management methodology or, or PMO for that reason. Mm -hmm. And I came in, you know, I was hired basically to establish that, 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 that entity. And so, um, you know, I did to a certain extent, um, there was a lot of pushback because, you know, <laughs> one, one of the statements I always like to make is people like to be project managed until they don't like to be. Okay. <laughs> and so <laughs> you see basically what's going on and, and, and what, what's being asked of you. Uh, sometimes what you thought was a good idea and challenging what you do is not. So, um, Kind of what Josh said, I think what you have to do then in that case is kind of scope down your expectations and say, okay, you know what, I'm going to do what I can control. I, I, you know, maybe I had grand, you know, these grand ideas about what I was going to put in place and that's not going to work. And so, you know, I, I see that, that, that sign. So what I do is I kind of scale back my expectations. And so what I did at this, at this location was I, I did implement a certain level of project management, not what I would call a full PMO, 
but I did put in processes to the point where I got some level of buy-in, not totally like I wanted to. But I think what you do is you, you recognize, you know, where you're going to hit walls early on. You don't get stubborn about it. You don't get obstinate about it. And then you, you find out, okay, how can I maybe scale back and like you said, pivot, go a different direction and, and, and still get the wins that you can, you know, still make the change where you can, uh, you know, even, even if it's incrementally. You know what I love about that, Phil? That is exactly what continuous improvement is, right? Just doing, a, you know, in, in, improving just a little bit, still getting some of those benefits, kind of scoping what you can. That, you know, the mindset of continuous improvement is how can we get just a little bit better, just a little bit better. Um, even if we have to scale back the dream, right, Josh? But if we, but, this, but the spirit of continuous improvement is, you know, we just kind of keep going, right? And we, we're still reaping benefits, even if we hadn't done anything. Right. Um, so Lisa, how about your perspective? So for me, it's the times that I let fear hold me back from bringing an idea forward. Ooh, um, okay. Because I was, you know, I was a little scared about, oh, the accountability will be on me. So, you know, taking that risk and saying, oh, you know, it's that self-talk thing. Mm. You know, no idea is is ever a bad idea. The only bad ideas are the ones that you don't say anything about. So how did you work through that? What, what gave you the, um, you know, how have you worked through any fear about that? So uh, you just got to put yourself out there. You know, you've got to, you got to understand that everybody feels that same way. Mm -hmm. So if you don't put forth that idea, it might be the bomb. It might be the biggest transformation ever. And if you don't say it, then we can't move forward as, as a team. And we'll never know, feel right? Comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. So many great quotables this morning. Uh, appreciate all of this from you. Can you believe it? We're down to our last five or six minutes or so here. And I want to give you each a chance to share um, any additional thoughts or perspectives about challenging the status quo that maybe we didn't hit on in our questions. And then additionally, would you just share one tangible thing that someone who is watching this or listening to this can go do today? One specific thing they might go do to challenge the status quo. Um, so whoever would like to go first. Bill? I'll go first. He smiled. Sorry. He, he smiled. I'll go first. So <laughs> mine is keep trying. Learn from your experiences. I've been at the university for 32 years. I've had wonderful opportunities. I've had wonderful mentors out there. Find that person that you can resonate with and be a magnet to them. And, you know, don't be scared to challenge what your thought processes is, or if you don't understand something that's coming down from your supervisor or manager, go ask that question. You know, try to develop that relationship that you that that you feel comfortable in. Um, and for yourself, challenge yourself. Keep asking those questions of why and what if. And if you keep doing that. You're going to rock the world. Keep going. <laughs> I love it. No. Um, I think my key takeaway, especially with my career, has been um, 
don't ever discount or minimize what you know and what you bring to the table. Um, I think you know, like in my personal experience, so I, I've worked in several in industries. I've worked in defense manufacturing, financial services, travel, um, academics. You know, I've worked in, in, across the spectrum in my 31 years. And what I can tell you is that um, the beauty of, of, the, of having your experience, no matter if you've worked at one company all your life or you've worked at several, what have you done? You bring a lot of different uh, interest, uh, knowledge, uh, intellectual capital and perspective to any situation. So don't ever be afraid to leverage that and don't minimize what you know. You, you, you have great experience, you have great knowledge and that's very valuable to whatever organization you're coming to, whether you're moving internally or you're going from, you know, across organizations. Uh, don't ever be afraid to leverage that. Don't be ever afraid to voice it uh, because you do bring perspective. A lot of times that people may not even know about, you know, you may have a way of doing things or something that you've done previously that you voice that and people, you know, that, that'll give them a whole fresh perspective. So don't ever be afraid to uh, leverage that knowledge and don't ever minimize what you bring to the table. And is there some, something specific someone could go do today, Phil? Um, I think the main thing is, is, um, I'd say be an example. You know, if, if you won't change an the organization, then guess what? Be that be that example. You know, people are going to follow what they see. Uh, you know, you don't you don't do it for personal gain. You don't do it for um, you know any, any other idea other than you want to better the organization. So, if you're leading by example, you know, even if you're not in a formal leadership role, if people there's always people watching what you're doing. I don't care who, where you're at. There's always people watching what you're doing, and if you're leading and showing what you can do and showing by example. Uh, you're going to get followers and you're going to get, get people that, get, that buy in on, on what, you're, what you're selling. And what's so important about what you just said, Phil, is that it's the individual behaviors of all of us that make up a culture. So by leading by example, we, we are influencing the culture um, that would uh, challenge the status quo and support that. Um, and Josh, um, one tangible thing I would recommend doing is going back and looking at you, one of your processes. The next time you're doing that cumbersome thing, why am I doing it this way? What could I change about this spreadsheet or my report that would make pulling this data together easier? Um, just really stop and think that when you're doing that cumbersome process, take a step back and just say why and how can I do this better? Um, and make it happen, you know, like just those incremental wins, just take, take, change, change where your column is on your UBI report and then export it. And then it's, <laughs> it's there and you don't have to move it and manually move it every single time you export that report. You know, there's, there's little things like that where we have technology and we have data at our fingertips and we really should try to go out and leverage it to the best of our ability to try and improve those cumbersome processes where we can. And I think I'm going to go evaluate where my coffee pot is <laughs> this morning because I need a little bit more coffee anyway. So, well, I just really want to thank our panelists today, Josh, Phil, and, and Lisa. We appreciate your insights. And I want to encourage anyone who's watching or listening to this right, right now to um, look up the other uh, series, the other panelists, the other webinars that we've posted. You will hear from senior leadership. You'll hear from other groups about um, how we are trying, we're working on this culture. And I think that if anyone is fearful, um, that you should definitely listen to uh, or watch 
the senior leadership team talking about this. And so we just really encourage everyone to look into the community and look at the resources. And we just hope that you have a wonderful day today and go challenge that status quo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.